Okay. I think I might have told this story before. I'll just tell it real quickly again. Uh, A.J. Blaine, who's a young man who went to be with the Lord a few years ago, was a, a pilot like his dad for Blaine Air Service. And we went to a barbecue with a whole bunch of people there, probably 50 people there, I suppose. And I can't remember the exact circumstances, but I either arrived late or I just talked to people so long I was late getting my lunch eaten. So most everybody had gone outside, and I was finishing my sandwich and chips. And So all of a sudden, Bobby Blaine came running into the hangar, and she said, Stan, you got to get outside. Ginger's going up in the helicopter. <laughs> and I thought to myself almost immediately, Oh, no. I'm going to have to ride in the helicopter. <laughs> Went outside. Ginger had this big grin on her face as they're taking off. And I'm standing there the whole time thinking, gosh, I don't want to do I don't want to I don't want to do this, but I have to. So I was encouraged by fear and ridicule. <laughs> There's more than one way to encourage somebody. You, you probably have discovered that. Somebody might be discouraged in the sense that they've just kind of lost heart. They might be afraid. They might not want to do something. There's all kinds of reasons that you'd need encouragement. You know what it's like to be discouraged. And the word encourage literally means encourage. You instill Courage in someone. Now, courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is moving forward in spite of your fears. The big difference. So this morning, how many of you got one of these? If you did not get one of these, raise your hand, please. Oh, gosh. Somebody. Yeah, boy, Kenny. Keep your hand up for just a second. Everybody's got to have one of these. So I want to show you, uh, there's some over here too, Kenny. <clears throat> okay, I'll be patient. I'm not preaching on patience, but I'll be patient. <laughs> now, I, don't, I don't do this very often, but I want, to, I want to show you a Greek word. And oh gosh, there's all kinds of people didn't get one. Man, oh man. <laughs> so Nadine put up the put up the slide with Pericaleo on there. I don't do this very often, but notice the word, it's a Greek word, parakaleo, and there's a, there's a reason I'm doing this. I, I do my word studies, but I don't usually point them out. I just talk to you about the information that's important. But I'll, it'll be really obvious why I'm pointing this one out. Parakaleo means to come alongside someone. So you might have your arm around them, or your arm around their shoulder, or you're, you're coming alongside of them, and the reason you are is to comfort, urge, make an appeal, or encourage. 
So you, you come and you, and you stand beside someone. It's translated all of those ways. And that's why I'm pointing it out, and I'll bring it back in a minute. You can comfort someone. You can encourage them by comforting them. It's going to be okay. It's all right. You can comfort them by urging them. Yes, you can do that. You can encourage them by making an appeal. Please, please do that. Or you can encourage by instilling courage in them when they're holding back or when they're afraid. So we've all had that happen. So when I thought about instilling courage in someone this morning, I thought about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Pump me up. Right? So take that sticker and put it on somebody close to you. Pump me up. Where's mine? Oh, Victor's got mine. All right. My friend Wayne Cadero, who pastors in Hawaii, taught me this a number of years ago. He says, everybody should wear a, a, a sticker, a name tag that says, I need your love and encouragement. How many of you don't need love and encouragement? We all do. How many of you don't need to be encouraged sometimes? You walk in the door here on Sunday morning. It won't take you long to find somebody who needs to be encouraged, right? right? So I want you to think about that in the in the context of this great story in the Old Testament. If you if you haven't read the book of Ruth, you have to read the book of Ruth. It's an awesome, awesome story. So please read it later. I'm just going to give you kind of the highlights, and I'm going to give you a quick lesson in Old Testament history, so that you know why there's so much trouble in Israel right now in the Middle East, okay? So how many of you recognize the name Abraham? Okay, Abraham came from Ur, which is kind of close to Kuwait, southern Iraq. And he traveled all the way over to what we know today as Israel. And God gave him that land. And uh, there were some other people there, obviously, so you can understand why that would cause a little trouble if God gave him that land. And several generations passed, and it was Abraham, Isaac, and who? Jacob, or Israel. Israel had 12 sons, and the younger, younger son, Joseph, was what? Sold into slavery where? Egypt. So he goes from Israel to Egypt, back to the middle, farther south into the Middle East. And they're there for several generations, and then they have favor under Joseph because he becomes the prime minister. And then several more, 200 years went by, and now they don't have favor anymore. They're in slavery, and who did God raise up? Moses. Okay, so we've got Abraham, we've got Jacob, we've got Moses. What did Moses do? He took them from Egypt out into the wilderness. They wandered around, and this guy named Joseph showed up, and he led them back into where? Israel. Okay, then several hundred years went by, and during that period of time, they had judges. They're not judges like we think of judges. They were judges like leaders, the leader of the country, or the leader of a region in some cases. 
And then they wanted a king, which God wanted to, to be their king, but they wanted a king, so he gave them a king. Who'd they get? Saul. Not a good idea to get Saul as your king, right? And then for the next several hundred years, they, they went back and forth, some good kings, some bad kings. They rebelled against the Lord, and the country was divided in half. And what happened? Somebody from Iraq, excuse me, Iran, came and captured them and took the best and the brightest back to Persia, back to Iran, okay? So we've got Egypt, we've got Iraq, we've got Iran, and we've got Israel. See why there's so much trouble in the Middle East? Everybody thinks that land is theirs. So while they're in captivity, this beautiful Jewish woman named Ruth was selected to be in the king's harem, which was a great privilege. Took the most, excuse me. I did, I said, I said, yes, okay. So, so while she's in the, in the uh, king's harem, Mordecai, her uncle, thank you for correcting me. While she's the king, she, her uncle Mordecai has taken care of her all of her life, and Mordecai hears about a plot by two people to overthrow the king. So he sends word and saves the king's life. The plot is uncovered, and Mordecai's name is written in the records for the king as a good guy. Then Wicked Haman. I love, I love it when Wicked Haman shows up. Wicked Haman shows up, and he's an evil man, and he wants everybody to bow down to him, and he's very powerful. He has the signet ring of the king. He's very powerful, and everybody bows down except who? Mordecai, because he'll only bow down to God. So Haman made a decision that he was going to destroy not only Mordecai, but his people, the Jews. So he went to the king, didn't say Jews, he said, there are these people who will not bow down. And they decided a day when that people would be destroyed from the face of the earth. Well, Mordecai heard about this, and he sent word to Ruth. I'm sorry, I keep, I keep saying Ruth. Esther. And Esther didn't want to go in before the king because if she went in and he didn't extend his scepter, she would die. So here are the words that were spoken in Esther chapter 4. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And here, we all know, know these words if you've read the Bible very much. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. In other words, he's saying to Esther, listen, you need to stand up for your people. Maybe this, this is why you were born for such a time as this. And so, of course, she stood up to the king, went into the king, and you'll need to read the rest of the story, read the rest of the book of Esther. So she was encouraged by saying, she was afraid, I dare not go in, but she was encouraged by someone saying to her, listen, 
not only will all of God's people die, but you will die. That, that's not exactly positive encouragement, but she was encouraged to move forward. Someone instilled courage in here. Now, you've had that happen, haven't you? Where somebody came along, you might even think of a person right now, who came along and you were in some kind of situation where you were afraid or you were down, you were discouraged, and someone instilled courage in you. When I was studying for this, a memory came to my mind about a woman who uh, spoke to me one day. I was in college. I was feeling the stirring of the Lord to go into the ministry, but I was holding back because I was terrified of public speaking, changed majors, wouldn't give speeches in class, take lower grades, all that. So I was asked to speak at a full gospel businessmen's dinner. I was the opener. I wasn't the main attraction. I was the opener. So I had a 10-minute talk, and I was terrified, but my terror caused me to prepare really well. Fear goes away when you're well prepared. So I studied, and I prayed, and I wrote that out, and I went through it 10 times, and I was ready, and I stood up. I talked for 10 minutes, and after the meeting, this woman came up to me. I knew her, but I wasn't well acquainted with her, and she said to me, you need to be a Bible teacher. You've got the gift. And it wasn't like I went like this. It was like, oh, maybe I could do that. She instilled courage in me. You've had someone do that for you at one time or another. It might not come through a person. It might come through a verse. I've told you about this verse Again, when I was terrified of going into the ministry, of getting in front of people and talking, I was reading in, in the foyer of our church one day, and this was the verse. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, which was not true. He had been. He was well-educated. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And then these words, you've had this happen probably when you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden, <laughs> those words aren't just words in the Bible anymore, but there's a word to you. You know that God is talking to you. Now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. I can't tell you how many, probably hundreds of times I've quoted that verse when I was someplace that I was unfamiliar with, overseas, at a convention or something, I said, no, the Lord said, now go. I will help you speak, and I'll teach you what to say. That instilled courage in me. It came from the Bible. And then an, another passage that might help you if, if you have trouble with courage is Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Why did, he need, why did Joshua need to hear that? Because he was afraid. He needed encouragement. So the Lord said, Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, whenever you're, you're discouraged, and you know, no, God's with me. If you believe that, if you believe that he's with you, it will instill courage in you. There may be other verses. So let me give you several wages or ways that God can encourage 
encourage you. First, God encourages us with Scripture. I just gave you a couple of examples. Another example for me is Romans 12, 28, which says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So let me say it again, because this is so critical. We get in situations, or we're talking to people, where they may do something evil toward us, or something to stir us up. What that's saying is, do not be overcome by evil. In other words, don't let somebody else determine what you are, or how you're going to respond. It's a defensive position. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So rather than responding to their evil with evil, you respond to their evil with good. Love, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, all those things are powerful, powerful tools. They change situations. They change people's attitudes. Another one is, and we know that God works together with those who love him to bring about what is good. I can't tell you how many times I've been in situations where I thought, gosh, I don't know if I can do this or not. But we're not by ourselves. We know that God works together with those who love him. So he's working with you. Let those, let those words get planted in you. You might have some life verses. Or if you don't have life verses, find a verse or two that really meets you where you are on a regular basis and memorize that. And it can be a great encouragement to you in difficult times. Secondly, God encourages us with the Holy Spirit. I have a, a friend. His name is, is Ken Johnson. Pastored in Bend, Oregon for many, many years. He's a very close friend of mine. And Ken went through uh, about a four-year period of time where he trusted two men in his church on separate occasions. They wanted to be in the ministry, and he poured his life into them. And one at a time, about a year apart, one took 500 people and left. Not a good situation. The other one took 500 people and left. Bad situation. Disrespected the church, disrespected Ken. And it just killed him because he trusted these men. At the same time, he was working for uh, our denomination. And it was a time where it was critical financially. And he's a financial whiz. He was on the, on the uh, national board. And it was his responsibility to do diligence in terms of getting the finances straightened away. And it was a very, very, very difficult time. Some people needed to be talked to. It was a hard time. So... Those two guys took him down, took him down. Difficult time, lots of time while he's pastoring a church that he doesn't have, took him down a little bit more. His father-in-law that he was very close to, was in business with, died, took him down a little bit farther. And one day his wife called me and she said, you need to talk to Ken. Because she knew that I'd gone through some similar situations and I'd gone away for counseling when I was, I was burned out. And so... I called Ken and talked to him, and he went to the place where I went for counseling. And he was kind of resistant. Most men are. They don't want to go, go to counseling. So he said, I'll go for a week. That's it. And I said, well, that's not going to do you any good. He said, I'll go for a week. That's it. So he went for a week. And something happened in that week where the Holy Spirit began to stir some things in his heart. Everything wasn't fixed, but he began to get a sense of hope. So he stayed two more weeks. The Holy Spirit spoke to him. Now, here's why I showed you that word. Throw up that word again, Nadine. No, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, do that one first. I'm sorry. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, notice the word counselor, okay? 
So he says, who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. He says, I will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now go to the next slide. Now the word counselor is the word parakletos. Does that look familiar? Just a different form of the same word. It means that the Holy Spirit is an advocate, one who comes alongside to urge, comfort, encourage. Remember the root the word parakaleo, which means to encourage. So parakaleo means to encourage. Parakletos is the one who encourages. So what it's saying is the Holy Spirit appeals to you. The Holy Spirit comforts you. The Holy Spirit encourages you. He urges you. You know, you look at the word advocate or counselor, it might, it might not really ring true with you. But think of the Holy Spirit being one who... Inside, he's inside of you. And when you need encouragement, if you'll listen, he'll encourage you. He'll urge you. Yes, you can do it. He'll appeal to you. Please, move forward. He'll comfort you. It's going to be okay. What a gift to not just have the Bible that encourages us, but to have the Holy Spirit of God within us who comes alongside of us to encourage us and comfort us along the way. Now, God encourages us also with people. You know what that's like. I have a friend who, uh, when I was pastoring at Faith Chapel, we would go to lunch a couple of times a year. And sometimes I'd call him at other times because when I went to lunch with this guy, where's my little, pump me up. This guy, I mean, he just didn't just blow smoke out of me, but he really encouraged me. He would say things that would encourage me, and I'd leave lunch thinking, man, I can do this. We need people like that in our life, don't we? I had a teacher when I was in the eighth grade. My name was submitted to be to run for student body president with, with two other guys. And I was terrified because I had to give a speech. And I'll never forget Mr. Grossnickel. Mr. Grossnickel was a tall guy. I was an eighth grader. He was a tall guy, sixth grade teacher. And he walked up to me in the hallway and he put his arm around me. He said, hey, I heard you've been selected to run for student body president. I said, yes. <laughs> by the time Mr. Grossnickel finished with me, man, I was ready to go. <laughs> he encouraged me. You can do this. He gave me some pointers to help me make a speech. We need people like that in our life. The other day, Arnie came into my office. Don't you love Arnie? You, you know how much he does around here? Golly. He, I was sitting in my office, and he came in. And my door was open, but he came in and says, You got a minute? I thought, well, I think so. Yeah, what do you need? He said, follow me. I had no idea what we were going to do. But we went outside, and there was a garbage can. He'd been out there pulling weeds. And there was a garbage can sitting out there about half full of weeds and dirt. And he said, you know... I used to be able to lift this by myself, but I can't anymore. Now, here's encouragement, what encouragement looks like. It's like one person is on one side, one person is on the other side, and we're going to help each other. So we carried it together. I said, well, two old guys can carry it like a young guy, I guess. <laughs> That's encouragement, to come alongside someone and help them, to instill courage in them or to urge them or to appeal to them. God not only encourages us, but he encourages us so we can encourage others. 
So when I say, that's why I had you put these, bump, these uh, stickers on, pump me up. That means I want to be encouraged. Pump me up. But it means I need to encourage him too. He's saying to me, pump me up. We all need encouragement. Now here's another reason I brought up that word a moment ago. Notice on the screen. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort. It's the same word. You could translate it, the God of all encouragement. Isn't that awesome? Who comforts or who encourages us in all our troubles so that we can comfort or so that we can encourage those in any trouble with the comfort or the encouragement we ourselves have received from God. What that's saying is God comforts us so we can comfort other people. So, you know, when, you, when you've when you been through stress, you can usually identify other people who through, go through stress. This one was This one was easy. I was... I was a pastor at Faith Chapel. This was fairly early on, probably the first 10 years. And uh, I only had, I think, three or four staff members at that time. And I walked in one of my staff members' offices. And he was sitting at his desk, weeping. I mean weeping. And I walked in, and I saw, I said, oh, gosh, what's going on? You know, it really concerned me, because this is an upbeat, positive guy, go-getter kind of a guy said, what in the world is happening? And what was happening was he had no boundaries in his life. He felt like he had to be available to everyone all the time. So people, people would call him on the phone. He answered it, and he'd run to meet the need. Someone else run to meet the need. Someone else run to meet the need. He's just available to everybody all the time. What's that going to do to you? It's going to wear you out. So he was crying. In the midst of his crying, he said, what is going on? And he told me that the night before, he'd gotten a phone call, and he literally ripped the phone out of the wall. He couldn't take it anymore. Think he needed encouragement? He needed more than encouragement. I, I told him, I said, you're out of here. Three weeks. I don't want to see your face. But then we talked about boundaries. I encouraged him to put boundaries in his life and make his life better. Now, it was interesting. I was doing this, this study on encouragement. The two major passages that I found in the Bible on encouragement, one is in uh, Thessalonians where, you know, during the, during the time of Paul, they believed that Jesus' return was imminent or that he, would, he could come at any minute. They have believed that since New Testament times. So people were dying, and they were going to, well, what about those people who die? And this is what Paul said to them. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or those who die, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. In other words, you're grieving like the rest of men who have no hope. You need to understand when Jesus comes back, your loved ones are coming back with him. Okay? After that, we are still alive and are left. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. In other words, what happened to my lost ones? I thought Jesus was coming back. He said, listen, when Jesus comes back, you're going to bring them with you. Be encouraged by that. Don't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. They're not gone forever. You're going to see them again. 
Another passage is in the book of Hebrews, and I, I love this one. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may, notice these words, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, one of the main reasons, you know, people, people say, well, I'll just watch, I'll just watch uh, Church at Home on TV. Lots of people do that now. Well, I'm glad they're doing something. But why do we come together? One of the reasons we come together is to encourage each other. When I, I walk in in the morning, it doesn't take five seconds to find somebody who needs encouragement. I read a thing this morning about Mother Teresa. I, I, you know, you, God love that woman. She said, I'm, I'm never concerned. I never love the masses. She said, I love people one person at a time. One, 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 she said. And that struck me in such a great way. When I walked in this morning, I'm concerned about all of you. It's one thing to be concerned about all of you and want to encourage all of you, but you look at one. Encourage one at a time. So look for people at church who need encouragement. Pump me up, right? Pump each other up. That's one of the main reasons that we gather is to be an encouragement other people. And then lastly, be an encouragement to everyone always. Let me encourage you to be an encouragement at church. Uh, the other day I put some air in, in the tires of my, my Harley. The tires were getting low, so I put some air in the tire and it, it filled up. When it's down like this, it just how do you feel when you're down like this? You just need a breath of fresh air. You need a breath of encouragement. Encourage one another at church. Several years ago, the Lord gave me this phrase, a look, a smile, a word, and a touch. Everybody that you see, a look, a smile, a word, and a touch. A look, a smile, a word, and a touch. Say it with me. A look, a smile, a word, and a touch. That's encouraging. Be an encouragement at home. Now, here's a big deal. One of the most, how can I say this without sounding harsh? The best place to practice your Christianity is at home. And one of the hardest places to practice your Christianity is at home. For example, are you as kind to your wife, are you as kind to your husband as you are to other people in public? How about kids? When I was growing up, I'm telling you, and I know it's the same way now, they call it bullying now. But in the home, what do brothers and sisters do? Fight. They're after each other, they insult each other, they, they push each other down. And one of the things I'm learning in my old age, and I, and I say this to, to a lot of people, is be kind. Be kind at home. Once in a while, Ginger and I will start grousing at each other. I just need to stop and say, you know, I'm sorry. Be kind. 
Ephesians 4.29 is a great verse. Jot down this verse. I didn't put it on the outline, but here it is. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Your Christianity begins at home. So if, a, if your wife or husband, your mom or your dad or your kids start grousing at each other, just stop and say, you know, we don't act like that in our, in our home. You don't like to be bullied at school. We're not going to bully each other at home. We speak kindly to each other. So be kind at home. Encourage people at home. And then in every conversation. I have a friend who used to work for me many years ago. He's very, very bright. And he has migraine headaches regularly. And he puts a lot of stress on himself. But every time I would walk into his office, he'd be sitting at his, he was really a hard worker. He'd be sitting at his, at his desk working. And when I'd walk in, he'd stand up and come around his desk and smile at me. So I watched. It wasn't just me. He did that with everybody. He would stop his work, get up, move toward them and smile. How you doing? Whenever he'd send an email, he didn't, you know, I, I'm bad about this. I need to, I reminded myself the other day to do this. Because every time he would send an email or a text or something, there would always be an encouraging word in it. It wasn't just do this or do that. It was, you know, I noticed the other day that you such and such, such. he'd encourage you in every email, every phone call, every conversation. He would say something that was an encouragement. What a great example. Let's encourage one another in those ways in every conversation all the time. So let me ask you a question. Who in your life needs encouragement right now? Pump me up. Everybody needs encouragement. Sometimes we need it worse than others, but we always need encouragement. Speak a kind word. Be kind to each other. Encourage one another. I've told you before, my home was, a, we were the masters of cynicism and put down. And I'm still getting over that. Encourage. Don't take people down. Lift people up with your words. So Lord, today we want to be that kind of a person that Wherever we are, whoever we're with, Lord, we know how much we need to be encouraged by you, by your word, by other people. So help us to remember to be an encouragement and a blessing to one another. One of the one another's that you gave us was encourage one another. So help us be that to people. I'd like to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment. I don't know if it's the case or not, but I'm going to ask if, if there's anyone here this morning and you have not completely given your life to Jesus. The way I talk about it is, I'm all in. It's not I believe in the Lord, but it's I'm all in. I'm a follower of Jesus. I've given my life to him. If you haven't done that, but you'd like to, there's something stirring in you right now. And I won't embarrass you, but I'm going to ask while everybody else's heads are bowed. That if you want to say, I'm all in today, you don't need to say the words, but just look at me. And you'll be saying, I'm all in.